Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the Calculating Craig, the Mild Meek Barbarian, and the Bodacious Bruce Cordell. Today we have myself, Ange, along with JT Evans and Jared Rasher to talk about trying to fit in gaming when life has other plans for you. Before we dive into this main topic, though, we're going to ask our Get to Know a Gnome question, and considering our topic of the day, since you started gaming, what is the longest span of time you went without gaming, and if you care to share, why? JT, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so I went about two years without gaming. This was ages 23 through about 25, and that's because I was uh, moving around the country uh, a bit. Right before my 23rd birthday, I moved from my hometown in West Texas to San Antonio, Texas, to literally reboot my life. I was going nowhere fast. We won't get into that. And I, I moved to San Antonio to kind of reset, get a new job, find a new place to live, the whole nine yards. And the nearest game store to me was about a 45-minute drive. The nearest friendly game store, if you know the difference between a game store and a friendly game store. <laughs> oh, I know those differences very well. Oh, yeah. Uh, was a little over an hour drive for me because San Antonio is huge. Uh, it's very spread out. It's a, it's a big, big city. So I really didn't game for the year that I lived there because the hour plus drive one way just to get there was kind of prohibitive. I couldn't afford the gas and my car wasn't eh, super reliable at the time either. So that year was was no gaming. I did a lot of online gaming. Uh, this is before EverQuest and Warcraft and mm -hmm. all that. So it was MUDs. So that kind of scratched the itch a little bit. After that year, I moved to a tiny little town uh, in northern Montana, about 8,000 people. And the local college had a, a gaming club, which I very quickly found and joined. But their gaming club was classic games. We're talking like backgammon, chess, go, oh. th things of that nature, right? I tried to get them to... You know, I, I tried to raise some interest in role-playing games and was very quickly shut down because they're, those are not proper games, <laughs> um, if, if you can hear the air quotes there, right? So I, I, I still gamed with them just, again, kind of scratched that itch a little bit just for the, 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 the community, hanging out with people that liked probability and statistics, and even if they don't know, they like that kind of stuff. And then uh, as soon as I moved to Colorado Springs after a year in Montana, the very first thing I did was, where's a local game store? Do they have a cork board? Ooh, there's index cards. I'm mm -hmm. calling people. And that was 21 years ago. And I'm still very good friends with that game master and his wife uh, from 21 years ago. So, That's awesome. So, yeah, two years. <laughs> what about you, Jared? Um, unfortunately, I can top that because uh, I probably oh, no. I probably won about five years, maybe. What happened is in around 1996 or so, um, had my daughter. All of my friends had kind of moved off to college and scattered to the four winds. I had tried to get a little bit of gaming uh, together with some of my coworkers, and it kind of fizzled out. And eventually I just, I did the thing which I realized was wrong later, which was, well, I'm grown up now. I'm going to sell off all of my gaming stuff. I guess it's time to be an adult. This is something from the past. And I got rid of all of my my second edition D and D stuff and my oh that's my, heartbreaking my, my Ghostbusters uh, RPG and yeah all sorts of other things that you know I dearly wish I still had. But um, what's really funny is I, I say five years. There was a weird thing, and I don't know if anybody else experienced this, but when I first started spending more time online, and um, 
AOL became a thing, there was a role-playing chat room for Star Wars. Oh, interesting. And it's not so much role-playing like dice or rules or anything. It's just you would create a character and you would play that character in Mm -hmm. scenarios. I started doing that because I didn't realize how much, you know... Once I started talking to Star Wars fans, it was like, I want to have a character, and I want to create my own stories, and I want to interact with other people. So I did that for a little while, but it wasn't until after 2000 that I got back into gaming. And even then, the funny thing is, when you hear 2000 and someone getting back into gaming, you might think, oh, D&D 3rd Edition. No, I got into Alternity. (laughs) Oh, that was a good game. (laughs) And the problem was, it was a good game. I got some people together to do character creation, and that was it. Oh, no. <laughs> so I got heavily invested into Alternity and then couldn't quite get a game going. But um, it kind of ramped up again. I mean, I was actually actively buying things. I was talking to people. We were at least making characters. And after that, eventually, when I did get into 3rd Edition D&D, I got a regular gaming group. And since then, I don't think I've gone more than maybe six months without gaming. And even six months got really rough for me. But yeah, that was that was that was probably the longest gap that I went through, and it was very rough. It was one of those things where I definitely realized, you know, when I sat there and said, "Oh, well, I'm an adult now." No, this is part of me. This is something I need to do. It is intrinsic to my personality, and I feel a loss when I don't have it. So I'm really glad I got back into it. I actually can top you, Jared, because <laughs> I went from I'm gonna say about ninety five to 2003. Ow. Um, <laughs> what happened is the the folks I gamed with post-college started drifting away, and we had the problem of GMing was a special sacrosanct, uh, sacrosanct job that only certain people could do, uh-huh. and since that person was a little flaky about his commitment to it for his own reasons uh and it was a lot of pressure for him to only be the only gm when he stopped organizing stuff we stopped playing and i couldn't be a gm there was no way i could do that so i didn't game now like jt i discovered muds and mushes but i i kind of consider that a little bit of a different thing It, mm-hmm. it it filled in the storytelling aspect of gaming, but didn't necessarily do the same social level thing, you know. But I did do a lot of mushing in the, 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 the mid to late 90s. But then in the 2000s, uh, the early 2000s, I got a taste of 3.0. I played a game, uh, I, met, I went and met up with some EverQuest folks that I I had been hanging out with, and we did a one-shot of 3.0, and I'm like, oh, God, this is what I've been missing. (laughs) Oh, I need this. (laughs) And so I decided that I needed it in my life, and I started doing that, you know, going to the game store, searching those for those cork, you know, the cork board Mm -hmm. with the messages, and I found a guy on there. He was starting up a new D&D game, and I did the proper thing of meeting him at a neutral location. He seemed okay. He seemed like your typical middle-aged nerd. So it's like, okay, this will be fine. Turns out he was super creepy. He was a really, really, really bad GM. Oh, no. uh-huh. It was an awful game. But the players in that game were fantastic. 
And when I had finally had enough to, and stopped going because I'm like, I need gaming in my life. I don't need that gaming in my <laughs> life. Right. One of the other players reached out to me like a like a like two months after I stopped going. He had my email address and reached out to me, and he's like, "Would you be interested in coming back to gaming if we weren't gaming with Will?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." And those are the people I'm still gaming with today, 15 plus years later. Nice. So. but as you guys can see it can get really hard to keep gaming in our lives as we journey through life you get jobs and your family and your bills and so many other commitments that can keep it hard to keep it happening on a regular basis pretty much any gamer you talk to over the age of 30 will reminisce about their high school or college days and how easy it was to game all the time I think that's kind of a myth, but that's what it can feel like when you don't have all these other responsibilities hanging over your head. And I thought it would be cool if we brought some of us together and talk about, you know, some tips and tricks on how to make it work when life is complicating things. Yeah. So I think one of the the first things to do is kind of determine how important it is for you to keep gaming in your life. Like, Jared, you were mentioning that you've realized that even a six-month gap at this point, is is rough. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was, that six-month gap, it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy because I was having a rough time at work. I was getting very stressed out about a number of things in my day-to-day life. So I cut out gaming because I was thinking, well, if I cut out this thing that is not an important thing, even though I had already kind of come to that realization that it was important to me, if I cut this out, I'll have extra time. And I actually got more stressed because I'd never had that release. Mm-hmm. And it turned out what I needed to do was really find a way to fit the gaming in in a less intensive way. But instead, I tried to just cut it out entirely, and it was definitely a mistake. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, JT? So, yeah, um, uh, uh, Phil and Cinda had a great episode, or a pair of episodes, maybe, uh, on uh, uh, Pandas Talking Games uh, along these lines. And one thing they said is you need to vigorously protect your gaming time. And at the same time, you need to determine, you know, is this something that you need to put the energy into protecting? There's going to be times when it's just going to be a no-go because you don't have the energy to game. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you need that gaming in your life, and I'm assuming most of our listeners do, you you need to establish that time and place and people and, like Phil and Santa said, vigorously defend it and, and just... Make sure you're you're getting it done, uh, even if it's only a two-hour weekly game or a four-hour weekly game or something like that. It, it's just a matter of establishing a pattern, and when somebody tries to interrupt that pattern, um, the, the, there's one very powerful word in the English language that you get to use. That, le- that word is no. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. No, I can't go to this thing. No, I'm not doing that. I already have plans. You know, that, that just, that's how it's got to be approached sometimes. That way you can get your gaming in. And I think it's important to recognize if your your life is in a particular point in time where you need to readjust. Uh, like, Jared, you mentioned when your daughter was born, mm-hmm. you had to kind of do some readjusting. I know yeah. quite a few women who, you know, it's it's like not to bring the, 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 the gender politics into it too much, but as a woman, when you have a kid... That takes a lot of your time, mm-hmm. and I know quite a few female gamers who had to basically adjust what their gaming was after they had a kid. We have a woman in my 
uh, one of my regular groups who pretty much from the time her daughter was born till about her child was in kindergarten, she held off on gaming and, and you know, she she made the, she decided that that wasn't a priority for her. She enjoys it, but it wasn't as much of a priority for it. Now that her daughter's older and she doesn't need to worry as much about making sure she has all the sleep she needs, she can game a little bit more. I have another friend who, when she had her kids, her gaming happened at Origins and another gaming convention she goes to. And those were the only two times a year she got to game because the rest of it was kids. Mm-hmm. She still has to do a lot of juggling to make sure everything works. But now that her, her kids are older, it's easier to adjust. And I think uh, going back to something JT was saying off of uh, something Phil and Senna said, you got to remember to take care of yourself. Oh, yeah. And as Jared said, <laughs> you have to know the things that'll bring you joy and that stress release. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One of the things that I was really excited about was when the kids got to be like in middle school or, or older, mm-hmm. uh, I started adding them to some of the gaming groups that I was in. And that was great because then I could spend time with them and share this thing that was very important to me. And we have some great stories from that. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, while two of the kids that used to do that have some good memories of that, but they aren't necessarily gamers, my one daughter is definitely, she plays D&D, she plays Magic, she loves Dragon Age, she loves the, the Dragon Age RPG, and she actually got to run that for her friends as a GM. So I want to meet your daughter. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I was really happy that I could end up passing all this along, and it was a matter of, at some point, you're like, well, I want to spend time with the kids, but I still want to game. Is this something that I can integrate? And thankfully, it was something that I could. Um, What JT was saying about the pattern, too, thats I found out that was really important because for the longest time, when I got back into gaming, we tried to do this. When does everybody have free? And everybody would throw out a different date and we couldn't get everyone to line up. And when my gaming got more consistent was when one person would say, we're going to game on this night. Is that good for everyone? In other words, framing it the other way, where it's like... Mm -hmm. If you can't do it, if you absolutely can't do it, we won't do it, but this is going to be the date. And that way there was a lot less people hemming and hawing, trying to figure out, oh, this is good, this isn't good. The other thing that I think really helps to get a consistent group is to figure out what is your ideal level. Like if you have four players, are you willing to play with three players? Because that was a thing Mm -hmm. that happened to us a lot too, where it was like, oh, well, we have one person that can't make it, we'll just cancel. And at some point, if you want to get that regular flow going, you may need to realize if we have 75% of our people here, if we have 60% of our people here, let's go ahead and do it. We'll get them caught up because otherwise it may not happen. And then it just falls apart and you lose the momentum and you're not doing it anymore. My group does a a mixture of that. We we have our set days every other, every other, it, it depends on if it's a Friday or Saturday, depending on the time of year, but every other Friday or Saturday we game. But I still send out the email to remind everyone and find out who's not going to be there. And our threshold is usually if two people are going to be missing, that's when we consider mm-hmm. canceling or just doing something else. How about you, JT? How do you, hand- how do you handle that type of thing? So, yeah, we, we kind of set a threshold where if uh, one person's out, uh, we move forward with the role-playing game. If two people are out... Then we uh, actually we still get together just to keep that pattern established, but we don't play mm-hmm. that we don't play the what quote unquote main campaign, right? 
Maybe somebody whips out a quick one-shot. Maybe we bring board games to the table, something. That way everybody else is still in the habit of being there, showing up. Because if we miss Mm -hmm. two weeks in a row, that breaks the habit all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So definitely, um, but if uh, if we're there, you know, and if it, and obviously if the host is not going to be there, we're not going to be showing up to game just because that would be rude because none of us have keys to his house and you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so if the host is out, then we, then we just cancel, obviously. But uh, if it's if it's two people out, then the re- what the remaining three of us still get together and, and whip out a board game or something. My group, uh, we get around the host issue by by having multiple multiples of us that will will and can host. You know, we normally play at a certain person's house, but if they're in a situation where the house is a mess and the rest of the family is sick or whatever, it's like we'll play at somebody else's house. That's and, nice. And you know, we try and accommodate the folks who have kids and play at their houses most often, so they don't have to worry about babysitters or anything like that although uh we've only got one we've only got one uh family that we game with right now that has a kid that young Mm -hmm. but it's like we still do that we still work to accommodate the folks who have kids so they can keep gaming right i wish we could do that because uh we're spread out geographically we've got uh two folks uh, a father and son pair that are coming from an hour south of the game location i'm coming from almost an hour north of the game location and then the, the other the other two are relatively close to each other, so I guess they could swap out. But um, the guy that doesn't normally host, I have not approached him to see if we can game at his house when the normal host is out of town or whatever. So maybe I should do that so we have, like, a, a I don't know, a contingency plan. Yeah, and you can keep everyone else still in that ha- – like you said, that habit is yes. important. That habit is super important. I think another another topic I wanted to bring up is – GMing responsibilities. Mm, yes. You know, if if your life, if you are the primary GM for your group and life is getting in the way of you being able to do what you need to do to feel comfortable and happy running that game, ask somebody else to run for a while. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, see, and that's been a really hard one for me because I was so used to growing up. I was always the person that learned the game and ran the game. And every once in a while, I would have some friends that would run it. But when I got back into gaming, that kind of became the pattern again, too. And I was really bad about just telling people, hey, I want to keep gaming, but I can't run right now. And I've gotten much better about that. And it was great because this last time when I would have had a gap, someone else stepped in and started running a game. So I've been able to play my Death Cleric. Yay. (laughs) And um, now I'm back to running two games and being in that game, too. But there for a while, that was my only gaming, but I didn't want to not have some gaming going on, and that was great. Well, that's what that's what killed my college gaming group. Uh, I mean, we were definitely post-college at that time, but it was the, the folks I game with in college is we only have the one GM. No one else felt they could do it, and he didn't reach out to everyone to say, hey, I want a game with you, mm-hmm. but I don't have the bandwidth to, to keep running. So that's what killed that group, and then... Thankfully, in the current group I found in 2003, one of the one of the the players is like, no, no, no. He fully understands that he wants and needs gaming in his life, or he will be very unpleasant to his employees and coworkers. So he very, very diligently cultivates the other GMs in the group. 
Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have become a GM and then fallen into Gnome Stew if it hadn't been for him turning to me and going, so when are you going to run a game? <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't I can't run a game. He's like, no, 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 yes, you can. You're a good player. You'd be a good GM. When are you going to run nice. a game? Uh, you know, and that and that cultivating the other GMs in your group is is really important to also maintaining the health of that group and the gaming in your life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got... Uh... Two game, three game masters in our current group. You know that that, that feel that they are qualified to uh, run the game. Uh, the other two players in our group are fairly fresh to role playing, which does not disqualify them from being game master. I, I don't want to make that uh, no. uh, you know incorrect impression there, but they don't feel ready because they don't feel they have the proper system mastery for for whatever system, right. um, which is fine. I, I would prefer them to wait until they're comfortable to jump into that seat because there's nothing worse than you know, uh, a player says, oh, I want to do this crazy zany thing with my character in the middle of combat, and there's no prescribed rule for it, so you kind of have to make it up on the fly. And if you don't have a solid foundation, it's hard to build on, you know, do those yeah. those on-the-fly judgment calls. So, and, and if obviously we would be there to help. So if, if one of the game masters, you know, whoever's running the game turns to another player and goes, I, I, I don't know, what what should we do in this situation? We actually kind of collaborate on the rules. I'm like a house rule for the situation. And at the end of the day, it usually ends up being something pretty simple. Oh, roll with the plus two or roll with advantage and we'll just, you know, go from there. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I believe all players should be, should, should game master at least one short campaign. When I mean short, I'm talking, you know, two, three, four sessions. Um, that way they can get a feel for what it's like to be inside the game master screen instead of on the outside of it. Right. And if it's not your thing, Cool. It's not your thing. You know, I'm not going to force somebody to do it. I think one of the other things, and this seems kind of paradoxical because it is something that can be more time consuming, but in those times when you're gaming and you're not strapped for time, I think there is a huge value to learning and understanding a wider range of systems. And I say that because if you get very locked down into, we play this system, And it plays into that idea that if you play that system and one person feels like they have that system mastery for that system and everyone else is just used to being players, it limits your options if someone gets to a point where they don't feel they have the time to run that system. Yeah. I ran into this. I was running uh, Dark Heresy, the 40K, you know, the investigative version of that system. And that was a little bit more time intensive for me to prep and to have, you know, these, these, deep cultist mysteries going on and all this stuff like that. And instead of just not running at all, I shifted to running Monster of the Week, which was way easier for me to come up with a mystery there because it kind of, you know, you come up with an outline of a mystery and then things kind of emerge from there. I don't have to worry about what whether I had the right book that had a stat for this chaos creature or, you know, learning how this subsystem worked. It was very much an emergent thing where I just had to have a basic idea for what kind of monster they were going to go to and where they were heading to for the mystery and it just rolled from there so having that that backup system as a pivot was really important that's a really good point too because there are some systems out there that are more conducive to less prep or less time intensive for you as the gm or even you as the player Mm -hmm. i think another thing to talk about too is there are different venues that can work for you depending upon your, your, your time crunch. Like if you, if things are just too chaotic for you to have a home game, find your, your friendly local game store. 
see about a game there. And then if that doesn't work, as long as you got a solid internet connection, there's a lot of ways to game online nowadays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and any decent-sized town or city is, is most likely going to have some sort of organized play, like Adventurer's League for uh, mm-hmm. D&D or the Pathfinder Society or something along those lines. And those are great because you don't have to be there every week. If your life is just crazy enough to give you one week a month or every other week or something like that, and you can't build a regular gaming group around that schedule – you drop in with your your character, you play for the two, four hours, whatever it is, and then you know you, you show up at some random time later on the the scheduled night, just so you can get a little bit of gaming in until your life calms down, so you can get back to that regular gaming group. Yeah, and even if even if the the organized play isn't necessarily your preferred style, it still opens up your networking and the people you're gaming with to maybe make some connections that you could use when you do have time to start that home game up again. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, my regular D&D group uh, actually is comprised largely of people who were playing the Curse of Strahd organized play campaign when we all made up Disney princesses as our player characters. <laughs> Which princess is yours? I was Jasmine. I was a ranger so that I could have uh, so that I could have Raja. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we should probably start wrapping up any last advice for people who are dealing with this type of, you know, time crunch getting in the way of their gaming? Jared, we'll start with you. Um, I think one of the things, I mean, we already touched on this, but I think really having that consistent schedule that you try and maintain, sometimes you don't think you have the time, but you do. And sometimes you need to be realistic about the schedule. I have a fate game that is once a month. It's not as often as I would like it to be, but it is a recurring thing that I know is going to happen that weekend every month so I get a chance to play Fate. And sometimes you just have to realize that sometimes a consistent group to get to keep in that, that gaming, it may not be exactly what you want, but sometimes you need something that's closer to what you want than your perfect, absolute ideal that you're never going to get. What about you, JT? I teach a time management class for authors, and a lot of people say, oh, I just don't have time to write, which I call BS on. If you want to write or if you want to game in this situation, you're going to find time. You're going to make time for the gaming. So the way I advise people to, to do this is to figure out where your big chunks of time are going. Don't figure out, okay, it takes me 20 minutes to wash the dishes. Now, you're not going to go that granular. You're going to do, you're going to have a light item for, you know, do chores around the house. That takes five, 10 hours a week, whatever it is. 40 hours a week for work. So many hours of sleep uh, a week for sleep, so on and so forth. When I did this during my busiest time of life, I found out that I still had 40 hours a week that were unallocated. And that's when I got my writing done and my gaming done and my family time done and things of that nature. So make a short list. Uh, I'm talking less than 10 items, 10 blocks where you're dropping hour buckets into and do the math. You got 168 hours a week. Figure out how many you're using and the leftover is game time. My last tip would be learn the art of cat wrangling. Understand that that organizing gamers can be a frustrating endeavor, but it's usually worth it for you to get your gaming in. Maintain that, that, you know, kind of even keel of accepting when people can't get together, but always kind of nudging people along to keep things moving. When you said you sent out the email to remind people, 
even when it's always on the same weekend. I was like, yes, you definitely need to do that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ultimately, what it comes down to is, is, is it takes a different precedence in everyone's life. And someone else, it may be a little lower down on the totem pole. They still want to get together with you. They still want a game. But other things may pop up that just kind of take precedence for them. So let's head on out of here. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You two can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Gygax's Time Turner. Not even remotely related to a boy wizard or fancy British school, this little device lets you turn back time to fit in all the gaming you've ever wanted in your busy, complicated adult life. Please note that the manufacturer does not take any responsibility for potential paradoxes created by the overuse of Gygax's Time Turner, and it is the user's responsibility to prevent any potential time rifts. If you are enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Misdirected Mark. Chris, Phil, and Bob go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hey, that's 6 p.m. the Queen's time. To break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. JT, where else can we find you on the internet? One-stop shop, easy to find me. That is jtevans.net. That's my website. Uh, Along the top of every page is the clicky links to all my fun social media goodness. And Jared, how about you? Well, if you want to see me ramble on and on in endless threads on uh, Twitter, you can look me up at at nighterrant underscore jr. And I also have my What Do I Know blog that you can find on Blogger if you care to look up all of the reviews that don't make it to Gnomes Do. (laughs) <laughs> so that's pretty much the best places to look for me. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at orikes13, O-R-I-K-E-S-13. Though I will warm, Instagram is mostly just pictures of my cats. Not wrong with that. <laughs> so, do you guys think we avoided the stew this week? I don't know. It depends on if John has time to uh, track us down. <laughs> <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Okay, hopefully that was good enough, Rob. A moment of silence for Rob. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>